What is this? Look at this. We got a sign. Made it myself. You know, took a trip to the Home Depot. Bought a thingy. Did the thing. Made it. We got this. We got this. Look at this. An arm. A robotic arm. That brings the microphone to my mouth. So I don't got to set it on a table anymore, you know? You know what I used to do to record this shit? I would bring my kitchen table from the kitchen into the bedroom area. The little corner of my apartment where I recorded the show. And I would set the goddamn table up, the kitchen table, in the bedroom. And that's a crime in most countries. And that's what I would do. And then I would sit down at the table in a goddamn separate room. Because I couldn't do it in the kitchen. Because the kitchen's loud. Because appliances make noise. The fridge all of a sudden turns on, starts making noises. Never know when the microwave might kick on. You just don't know. So you got to bring the kitchen table into the goddamn bedroom where it doesn't belong. And you got to record that way. Not anymore. We got this little studio area. Now look, we got the sign. We're going to continue upgrading it. Right? We got the we got the microphone. We got this thing. This boom. Boom filter. Pop filter. Prevents popping. And I don't know what use it has. But I have it there. You know? I got the camera. There you are. There you are behind that. That's incredible. Got a light fixture thing? Brightness? You see my shadow? No, you can't. You want to know why? Because I set that shit up good. So that's what I do. You know? And we're just going to keep getting better. So guess what? If this is you right now, if you're like, uh, I can't see anything, Brendan, because I'm watching on Apple Podcasts. I'm watching on Google Play. Well, guess what? Shut it down. YouTube from now on. YouTube from now. Just kidding. We're not shutting it down. We're going to keep going there. If you are one of the many, many people that listen on those platforms, keep at it. You know, just keep at it. Or if you want to see my face and this goddamn, look at this thing. Oh my God. Nice sweatery thing. If you want to see my face and this thing, go to YouTube, youtube.com slash a bunch of letters. Go to my website instead. You know, YouTube doesn't let you do customized URLs until you have, you know, like 400 million subscribers or some shit. So we don't got a custom URL yet, but we're going to get there. We'll get there eventually. You know, I might send them an angry email. That's how you handle problems in this day and age. But welcome to the state of the universe. Maybe we should like adjust this thing like up here. (gasps) Look, I could do that now. I could be like, oh, I got a problem. Adjusted. You know, oh, this isn't working. Adjusted. That's incredible. Welcome to the show. I hope you had a wonderful uh, New Year's. I hope your year is going great so far. I appreciate you coming, tuning in. Today, we're going to sit down and talk about tons of uh, space flight and space and astrophysics and nonsense and bullshit. Those are on the agenda. All of those are on the agenda in essentially equal amounts, you know. Because I tend to stray from my goals, you know? It's like, oh, my goal's over there? We'll check it out. I'm walking that way. You know? Oh, my goal's right there at the camera? Okay, well, why don't I go to the bathroom? You know? It's like, oh, okay, so I should just walk to the lamp then. The lamp? The the light fixture thing that I have? I should just walk to that? That's where my goal is? Oh, cool, I'll just go this way. You know? That's just how my life tends to work out. But we talk about the... Government shutdown, how that has an impact on science. We talk about the hole in the ISS. Did you know that? Did you know there was a hole in the ISS? Imagine waking up, you know, and you get a call from Houston. And they say, uh, there's a hole in the ISS. 
It's just a tiny one. You shouldn't die. You know, you shouldn't die, but you could die. There's a hole in the ISS. So go plug that shit up. We talk about that. We talk about maybe how it happened. Because there's some investigation being done now. It's a big mystery. It's like, how did this shit occur? How's there a hole in the ISS? Well, our buddy Nate has some information straight out of Houston about that. We talk about China's new moon lander. And this is a mystery. How do you pronounce that? How do you pronounce that? Is it change? Is it Changi? Is it Chingy? It's a mystery. And you know what's so funny? I watched some news articles. I watched some videos of people talking about this. In order to try to get someone that says it, no one says the goddamn name. They don't say it because they don't want to be the person who says it wrong first. And also, you can't find any pronunciations anywhere online. Even Wikipedia doesn't have a pronunciation. And they pronounce every goddamn thing. They don't have one. So how do you pronounce it? I don't know. I uh, watched a newscast. It was like Channel 4 or some shit. Some people that clearly don't know what they're talking about. And they pronounced it Chunga. Chunga? Chunga. Now... I don't speak Chinese. I'm going to guess that's wrong. Maybe it's right. Chunga. Chunga. I don't know. I'm going to say Chang'e. You want to know why? Do what I want. That's why. Do what I want. You know? Do what I want. So, we also talk about New Horizons. Ultima Thule. The awesome rendezvous that happened some 6 billion kilometers away from the Earth. We're getting pictures back from that. Now we talk about all that stuff. We talk about a bunch more. I hope that you enjoy the show. I hope that you tune in. Go to the Patreon account if you want to support the show. Patreon.com slash the state of the universe. And I would really appreciate that. I would appreciate if you can, um, you know, support the show. This beautiful new studio area we're setting up. This is just the beginning of it. We got some more stuff to set up. This is, uh, this is level one, you know, and we're going to go all the way to the top. Pretty sure there's a conspiracy between NyQuil and all of the other <laughs> and all of the other companies that just sell you know the AIDS. lozenges. Yeah. Vicola. It just pisses me off, man. I don't know why we can't get this shit figured out. I don't get it. When I get the common cold, oh, that's probably why I've been so upset these past couple days. Jesus Christ. When my nose isn't like when I can't breathe through my nose, I get really, really upset. Well, that, that is frustrating. It just gets so – I get so mad. I get so angry. I don't want to do anything. I can't do anything. I just sit here and I bask in my own anger and I just get so pissed off that no one's trying to figure out the common cold. But anyway, welcome here. I'm glad that you're joining us now that I'm done flipping out about everything that goes on in my life. I bought an Alexa. Oh, I'm, I'm, now Amazon is going to know every single thing you do or say. I'm introducing myself into the world of – artificial intelligence and i gotta say alexa's pretty stupid <laughs> not smart at all <laughs> really not smart i hope she gets better as she ages like a human would because at this stage with her only being like two weeks old absolutely dumb probably smarter than a human two two month old you know but <laughs> nevertheless dumb although i programmed her to do some cool stuff like when i say um 
uh, what do I say? I say, like, Alexa, my wife sucks, and then she'll say, I agree, Jessica sucks. So I like that, because I get to, <laughs> you know, fuck with my wife. But anyway, um, did you hear, actually talking about science now, did you hear about the, this This kind of cuts close to home for you, did you hear about the astronaut who called 911 by accident? I didn't hear about this until you brought it up to me a little while ago. Yeah, so there's this Hungarian. I think he's Hungarian. Uh, yeah. No, is that Hungarian? wrong? No, it's not Hungarian. Is he a Nether Netherlandian? Netherlands, I think, is what it yeah. was. Yeah. So uh, how, is that an, a Netherlandian astronaut? <laughs> um, it, apparently, when you're on the ISS, all of your calls get rooted through Houston, which is where Nate is based. And you have to click nine on the phone in order to tell the phone that you're dialing an outside <laughs> number. And a number away from Houston. And then you have to click 011 in order to make an international call. Okay. But this guy didn't click the zero. He just clicked 911. So it called the 911 response center in Houston. And um, it's really actually funny. But I thought it actually exposes something very real. And it's that if you're having a problem on the ISS, literally the only thing you can do is propel yourself towards the earth. Jump out of the space station and <laughs> propel yourself towards the Earth because no one can solve your problem for you. That's, I mean, that's the that's the ultimate contingency plan. If something goes wrong, you get in your Soyuz and you you get away from the ISS and you just re-enter Earth's atmosphere. It's kind of scary. Yeah, I would never. I don't want to say this because I don't want them to be like Brendan can be an astronaut, but I don't think I could be an astronaut. And here's why: I get way too anxious, and I feel like I would be like. Oh my god, I'm having chest pains. And I would Soyuz the shit out of Earth real quick. I would just <laughs> hop in. You have a random pain, yeah. They'd it. be like, Brendan, we can't keep restocking you in this ISS <laughs> and you can't keep leaving when you get hungry. Get your shit together. So I don't know if I would be uh, really good at it. But China's having a big year so far. Yeah, they started off on the right foot. Yeah, they uh they landed their now I'm not exactly sure how to say it, but I think it's sure Ch- Chang'e. Changi. Here's one good thing about English, I think. We don't have a lot of apostrophes floating around our words. That's not true for a lot of other languages. Okay? <laughs> they have a po- and no one knows how to handle an apostrophe unless it's for ownership in this country. It's like, oh, you own the stool? Okay, then it's Mark's stool. That's the only apostrophe we know. We know for ownership. We don't know anything else. So I think it's ch- Changi. Changi you know? for, yeah. I think you pronounce the Chang a little differently, but I'm not really sure. I, I can't do it. Yeah, but nevertheless, it's 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 a big deal. They landed. Is it a rover or is it a? Yeah, it's a it's a combination lander and rover. So it landed on the far side of the moon, which is the side of the moon that we don't see. Commonly, uh, mistakenly referred to as the dark side of the moon. Thank you, Pink Floyd. Yeah, Pink Floyd, and we don't need no education to understand that. <laughs> Boom, nailed it. Okay, but oh, that's pretty good. This is a this is a big deal for China because actually this is just a big deal for spaceflight in general because finally we're getting back to the moon and at least we're doing something right like we talked about on last week's show how the U.S. is now beginning to focus on the moon again but China has been focusing on the moon for a long time uh, what was what was uh, Bush's original plan Bush's plan was to go to the moon Bush's, and then to Mars. Yeah. Yeah, his plan was similar to what ours is right now. And China has had that plan essentially since Bush, but they haven't uh, they deviated. haven't deviated from it. And because of that, they're having a lot of success now. They have a rover on the far side of the moon, and 
This is actually really important for a lot of different science goals. It's actually important that we study the moon. It's actually incredibly important also that we study the far side of the moon because the far side of the moon might very well in the future when we can when we're able to to really industrialize the moon when we're able to send stuff there reliably the far side of the moon may become the hub that we store all of our major telescopes mm -hmm. if we can reliably get there and build stuff the far side of the moon is a perfect place for a, a lot of telescopes in particular radio telescopes one of the problems with radio telescopes on earth is that number one we don't build them in space Okay, there's no reason for us to build them in space because radio waves traverse the atmosphere very easily. So, the problem we have with building them on the ground isn't that we lose transmission. It's not that radio waves don't get to us. It's that every single thing we use produces radio waves. Our cars, uh, the radio stations that you use cause interference. The, um, what are those things called? Spark plugs inside of your car produce radio interference. Uh, your phone produces radio interference, Bluetooth, all of that. And that's why you, when you build a radio telescope, you really have to build it in an incredibly remote location like Green Bank, West Virginia, in order to try to cut down on the noise inside of your signal. And so one of the ideas that has been proposed is to build a giant radio telescope on the far side of the moon because you don't have any human interference and the structure is already set up for you. The moon is incredibly cratered. All we need to do is essentially fill that crater with, with panels that can collect radio waves. It's the exact same thing we've done on Earth. If you look at the Arecibo radio telescope, that's what we did. We took a giant hole in the ground. We filled it up with panels that, that receive radio, telescope, uh, radio data, and, and we're, we're off and running. And so the idea is that we could do the same thing with the moon. In order to do that, we need to start doing this. We need to start going there. We need to start exploring. We need to start understanding how to get there and how to get there reliably and in short order. I think this mission only took a month. Yeah, it launched in December, uh, December 4th, I think. Yeah, so it, it's it, it's interesting, though. There is, again, because it's on the far side of the moon and we can't directly communicate with anything, they had to previously launch a satellite that I think is like another 50,000 miles or so beyond the moon, and that's actually what they use to communicate. So the the lander rover on the moon sends a signal out to the satellite beyond the moon, and then that satellite sends a signal to the Earth. Yeah, uh, which is which is a pretty cool combination. It is it is very cool. It delays communications a little bit, but compared to if we had a rover that we could directly communicate with. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, it's it's an example of China being very being very prepared in their exploration because they've been setting up the infrastructure for this for a long time. Yeah, they had three missions before this um, that did a lot of photographing of the surface, I believe, to find uh, a suitable spot. Because, like you said, especially the far side of the moon is especially cratered. So it actually landed in a crater that I think is within an even larger crater uh, on the surface of the moon. And they had to actually – it just didn't get a lot of press coverage, but – the lander actually had some sort of visual software in it where it was actually checking um, the landing spot as it, as it descended. So it was actually looking for a smooth area to put down so it didn't land on some rock or some lip of a crater. Yeah, and that's incredibly important because that is, is, that is going to be a big part of our exploration in the future is being able to use computers and artificial intelligence to, to get mm -hmm. us places. Especially if you're talking about Mars where the communication time 
is on the order of minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? If Yeah, it's between like eight was it six minutes and like twenty two minutes? Yeah. And that's one way. So round trip is what, twelve to forty four minutes? Yes. And that is why people ask this question all the time. I see this question pop up constantly when the Mars rover is brought up. That is why the Mars rover is purposely built to move slow. Mm-hmm. You can't go zooming around on Mars because the communication time is so slow. So you have to have this thing move slow so that when you tell it to go somewhere, it's not going to drive off of a cliff before you know it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it has some very specific instructions they give it, and then it executes those instructions until it hits an anomaly, whether that be a rock or an incline it didn't expect or a drop-off or whatever. And then it just shuts down, and it sends a signal back saying help, and then they have to come in, and they have to figure out what went wrong and how to fix it and how to proceed from there. So it's very slow going. But again, you're right. If they didn't do that, there's a chance it'd fall off a cliff or run into a giant rock or God knows what else. Yeah, and the, the Chang'e – sorry for saying this wrong for, for anyone in the Chinese <laughs> space administration, Chinese space uh, flight community. I, I apologize. But this mission is is really cool because it also has this, a little capsule. Have you heard about the little biosphere? Oh, that it brought yeah, with yeah. It? Little potato seeds and yeah, something else, I it, think. It brought this biosphere with it, and I have up here what it brought with. Um, it brought a biosphere with potato seeds – and silkworm larvae to see if they can thrive or survive in general in a sealed container on the moon, which is really cool because we're they're gearing up. They're getting ready not just to put rovers, not just to put men, but to put commerce, to put um, you know actual industrialization of the moon. And in order to do that, you need to know how humans will react to this sort of environment. Mm-hmm. It's, and what you what you can grow to to be self sufficient because you don't want to be constantly bringing cargo uh, from the Earth to the Moon that you could simply grow on the Moon. Right. And now I haven't and thought if, of, if the Martians taught us anything, it's that people really like potatoes when they're they sure do uh, on another object in the solar system. Yeah, potatoes suck. Hey, I just have to I say love that. Potatoes. No, you don't. You I like love them. you like potato like chips. Potatoes. You like no, French I, fries. I don't like potato chips that much. No, you get a baked potato, you just boil that sucker or grill it or whatever. Boil it? Slap some butter in there. It's perfect. All right. I'll agree with this. If you take a potato, like a russet potato or like a Yukon gold, the oh, cat, what you got. My the favorite Cadillac. Are red potatoes. I love red potatoes. Do me a favor. Shut your mouth. So <laughs> if you take one of these potatoes and you like put salt on the outside and you bake it slow, like a one hour bake time, and you take that puppy out, put some butter and sour cream on there, maybe some chives. That's a good. That's actually good. But I don't think that's what we're going to be doing on the moon. <laughs> we're going to be but microwaving our potatoes. I haven't, I haven't thought about this until right now. But if you were going to feasibly grow stuff on the moon and use any form of solar light to 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 photosynthesize, you would have to do it on the far side of the moon. I would think it would Why? be necessary due to the fact that if you didn't, you would get periodic obstructions in sunlight due to the orbiting, you know, around the Earth. If you it, know, you would only get that every time that we have a lunar eclipse, right, from the Earth, and that's not very often. That's what once a month. Maybe? Yeah, we get partial lunar eclipses. Yeah, but they but they last only a few minutes or or a few hours at most, right? Yeah, maybe I mean, they don't last. Maybe very I'm long. overestimating. I I'm not a yeah. I'm not a dynamicist, if you will, but. Uh, I don't. I don't think it would be long enough or frequent enough to impact a growing cycle. Mm. Yeah, 
And also, I, maybe there would be some benefit to, um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it, it might not matter. But my intuition tells me that the, if you were to do large-scale agriculture on the moon, the far side would be the beneficial side. But the, again, that's you literally... You also want to make sure you're not in the bottom of a crater because there are some craters on the moon that actually never see sunlight Yeah, at the very bottom. Yeah, that's true. Do, do you know there's uh, craters on the north pole of mercury that have ice in them that always boggles my mind when i hear that because the sun just never reaches them because mercury has no atmosphere they don't melt interesting the the so but yeah that's a good point so i'm really interested to see where china is going in the future they have big plans and what Mm -hmm. i what this is actually going to be a lesson i think for nasa and for the american people in that if you can take a plan, a space exploration plan, you can make it as ambitious as you want. But as long as you give it the funding and the resources to yeah. match up with that ambition, then you can actually achieve stuff. So going forward, they have achieved the dark side of the moon. Is there anything – what's the plan going forward with the specifics to the dark side of the moon? So they have one more uh, lander planned. I think it's going to launch 2019, which is this year now. Um, Changi 5, sorry about the name pronunciation, but that one is a sample return mission, I believe. I think they want to collect like a pound or so of, uh, of lunar rocks and, and bring it back. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I know it's supposed to be sample return. Okay. Um, and then going forward, they, they have with moon exploration. Well, they want to, they want to land humans on the moon. Um, so they're pretty much set up. It'll, it'll be – it's almost like a little moon race again uh, from the 60s except between China and the US because we want to have the Lunar Gateway start coming online around 2024 or so. And there's plans to be able to land a human – a US astronaut on the moon by 2028, I think. And China's looking at around the 2030s, maybe mid-2030s, maybe earlier to land uh, Chinese astronauts on the moon. So it'll be interesting to see who gets there first. My money is probably be on the Chinese, actually. Do you think it will turn into an actual race? I don't think it'll be a race. It won't be anything like the Cold War. I think it'll be more friendly, for sure, and it'll just be like a little a little competition. Because I don't think – especially NASA really doesn't have anything to prove in that regard other than just getting the capability back. China I think has a lot to prove, I think. To I'd themselves. be curious to know – I almost feel like it would be more competitive – Depending on who wins the 2020 presidential election. I feel like Donald Trump is a real fan of competition in this regard. And I think if the right person gets in his ear and says, listen, the Chinese are going to beat us to the moon. Even if there's no implications to that, I almost feel like he's the type of person that would be like, no, 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 no. Let's ramp this up. Yeah, he'd be petty about it. But I think I don't think he'd be committed. I think it'd be like a three-week thing, and then he'd totally forget about it. Yeah, well, until the wall gets built, I don't know if he's going to be committed to anything. That's true. Well, until the wall gets built, NASA doesn't have any funding, so only essential personnel are working. Yeah, I, I want to talk to you about that. Who who all is is everyone? I'm not I'm not sure to the. Here's what I know. Okay, I I did some interesting uh, some interesting calculations the okay. other day, and. I looked up the 2013 government shutdown, which lasted 16 days, and it had an estimated cost of over $2 billion in lost productivity. Okay. Jeez. Now, what I mean by that, when, when I say lost productivity, I don't mean people didn't get paid. 
The people got paid. The people who were laid off for those 16 days, Mm -hmm. they got their checks after the government had reopened. They didn't lose out on any money. They're not going to get kicked out of their houses unless they, of course, couldn't make the payments in the meantime. But they were getting paid to not do anything. So that's over $2 billion in stuff we could have been doing, actual productivity, that didn't actually amount to any work. Does that make sense? So... That's $5.2 million lost per hour on average. Oh, my God. So in the time that we sit down and record this, it, we're going to be in the range of like $8 million lost in productivity. So $8 million potential dollars. Yes. Basically. Yes. And so we are closing in on that 16-day mark, I think. I think we're very close. To that. So that would be $2 billion in lost productivity. We're closing in on that. And that is real weird to me. I don't feel like that is an effective way to handle any problem. But <laughs> I don't think it is at all. Getting back to NASA, is no one – Is it, do, do you not go into the building? Can the people still go in and work on stuff? How, how does it work? Do they stay at home? So they stay at home. It's like a paid vacation essentially that they didn't ask for. So I know the office I interned with, I know they're deemed non-essential. So they don't come in. They don't do anything. I don't know if you could volunteer and work. I feel like you probably can't. I know when we had the National Day of Mourning for George H.W. Bush, um, at least the interns were told, you know, you can't take your computer home, you can't work on anything, you can't do anything. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's something like that where you're just not allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe they can volunteer and, and work for free, but that would surprise me. Um, people who are mission critical go in. So there's obviously some people in safety and mission assurance who have to make sure that upcoming launches are happening and staying on schedule. Um, it's basically just a skeleton crew, though. Um, people on mission control, obviously, talking with the ISS and making sure that everything's happening there and, and running smoothly. But definitely a large portion of them will be gone. Yeah, now, here's the thing. I want to clarify something you said. And I mm-hmm. I know you didn't mean to say it like this, but you, you said a paid vacation that they didn't ask for. That is kind of true. People who, like, if you could imagine, like, a secretary, it might very much feel like a paid vacation for her. But for scientists, specifically on the theoretical side, that receive money from NASA to do research, I promise you they're still at home working, and they're working without pay. I know some NASA scientists, people who work at Goddard Space Flight Center, who work with and and alongside me on various projects. And even most of the stuff I work on as a, as a, a scientist at, at Rochester Institute of Technology, a lot of it comes from NASA funding or NSF funding. And... These people are still working. They're working every single day. Um, well, and everyone who's who's working right now is, is working without pay. So all those yeah. mission control people, yeah, yeah, and so, the, and they're all hoping that once the government reopens, they'll pass legislation to give them back pay. But there's no actual constitutional requirement that they all get back pay. That's just something Congress has has routinely done in the past. So it's entirely possible that they try to pass legislation for that, and Trump says, "Well." I don't know, some Trumpian stuff and doesn't want to give them back pay, which would be absolutely – oh, man, that would be, that'd be bad. Yeah, it would be. And, numbers would plummet a lot. And the other thing to, to take into account is that a lot of these projects, these scientific projects, our scientific goals as a nation, they're on a tight schedule. Mm-hmm. They're on a really tight timeline. The reason you see stuff get de- delayed so much is because we are very ambitious in our scheduling of launches of exploration, of theoretical things. 
whether it be modeling black holes or whether it be modeling planetary collisions, whatever it is that you do, chances are you are incredibly ambitious in your timeline. And so two weeks is a big deal for a large-scale project. And one month is an even bigger deal. And another thing is funding requirements don't get pushed back, right? Which means your funding is going to run out and you're going to have to apply for it, you know, with losing two months of work. You you know, you're going to sit in front of the funding committee and they're going to say, well, what did you get done this year? And you're going to be like, well, I plan to get this done, but I couldn't. I couldn't because I wasn't getting the money, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's really going to – it's really going to impact a lot of scientists, I think, in that regard. It's It's not a good idea. I don't know if I like the idea of shutting down the government. For I, I don't either. And I think it's important to note that it's not just scientists who are affected. I mean, National Park Service isn't getting money right now. So That's a big I don't one. know if you've seen all the environmental concerns. The The chemical toilets are all backed up. There's trash all over the place because they can't clean it. There's people who continue to enter the parks when people are telling them not to, who are falling down and breaking limbs and, and you know, yeah, putting themselves I saw... in dangerous predicaments. And there's no one around to – no emergency services to help them out. I saw an article, and I, I don't remember in which publication I saw it, but it essentially – the synopsis is this. Just because the government is shut down doesn't mean that you should be a pig in national parks. And I want to clarify something because this got a lot of support, an article like this, but it is incredibly, incredibly misunderstood. If you've ever been to a national park in the West, whether it be Arizona, probably Texas – Utah, these most of these toilets and, and uh, sort of you know facilities, they don't have plumbing. All right, they they essentially store all of the human shit in a giant tank. Okay, and if you still still have people using this tank and no one's cleaning it, that is why they get so disgusting. Garbage garbage starts to overflow. Okay, you get shit start to literally overflow. So it's not a case of people being disgusting. Because the park is shut down. It's a case of all of these facilities requiring 24-hour maintenance, 24-hour care in order to actually remain looking pristine. Yeah. It, it has very little to do with humans being messy and disgusting, although there is a little bit of that. But it has more to do with the fact that these things need care and they need to be maintained and that maintenance isn't happening. Yeah. And the safety warnings aren't happening. I mean, this weekend is beautiful down here in Texas. And I was going to go down to North Padre Island for a few days before school starts. But they have like, you know, three people on site, which means if something happened out on the beach, if I got my car stuck on the sand or I got stung by something or someone wanted to come and rob me, there's hardly any patrols going by. There's no one posting to tell me if the tide's high, you know, what the wind is going to be like. So I ended up not going because – you know, I'm sure the dumpsters are overflowing there too. So all the trash I pick up on the beach is just gonna sit in a dumpster for God knows how long. I read I read an interesting article yesterday though about TSA agents uh, because they're all working without pay as well, mm-hmm. and they are calling in sick in record numbers, like 200 percent the normal rate of people calling in sick for shifts, which I thought was kind of funny. Oh yeah, well TSA that might be the worst job ever. Oh, I, oh man. They, they make so little money and everyone just hates them. What other job do you have to deal with 3,000 people a day with their shoes off? Imagine <laughs> how bad that smells after a while. And you got to look through people's bags. You know the type of shit people carry with them on an airplane? Oh, that's got to be one of the worst jobs to ever have to do. To be a t- uh, That's why they all look so miserable. 
I think the <laughs> That's two, why they all act so miserable. I think the two worst jobs are DMV and TSA. Yeah. Because those people literally hate themselves. <laughs> they hate themselves. That's why they get the job. They wake up one morning and they're like, you know who I hate today? Myself. So I'm going to apply to be a TSA agent. Because it's it's oh my god it's so bad i hate you tsa i hate you so much for no other reason than that i hate you you know i hate i hope you're not calling off sick because you're trying to you know do some anti-government propaganda i hope you have the common goal that's what i hope and i hope we never find a cure for it (laughs) but did you see we were speaking uh back to china okay they have a big big plan going forward Mm-hmm. It isn't just so, going to the moon. They, they they want to do a lot more. So they've got a couple different uh, balls in their court right now. They've got some asteroid missions they want to do. Um, they want to rendezvous with, with some chaotic asteroid or something. I read a little bit about. Um, they want to build a larger space station. So I think they've done two attempts at small space stations with small modules. Um, and like 30 to 60 day stays of two astronauts. Uh, they're planning to put, I think, two or three modules together and create maybe permanent, semi-permanent uh, space station within the next couple of years. I think that's supposed to be 2022 or so. Mm-hmm. I will add something about China's asteroid missions because I think they're actually very interesting. One of the things they want to study is – if there is some way that we can change the trajectory of an asteroid. And the reason they want to do that is because asteroids may be, they have been in the past, and they may be in the future, a real danger to civilization. Oh, I wouldn't say maybe in the future. I would say definitely. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Yeah, that's true. It, we will undoubtedly see a day when, in fact, we, we already know, I think, of some NEOs, near-Earth uh, objects, that will end up in the trajectory of the Earth's orbit in 100 years, 200 years, 300 years. The question is, how can we deter these things once we know that impact is imminent? Because there's a few things we can do. Number one, we can analyze the trajectory of the impact. If it's going to hit in the middle of the ocean and it's not a very big object, we probably won't do anything about it. But if it's going to smack New York City and it's a big object, the size of the Empire State Building or such, you're going to want to find a way to change its trajectory. And how do you do that? I know it's been talked about landing something on it and like blowing up a bomb. That's I've a heard, terrible idea. I've heard that talked about. So that way the Earth gets showered with many, many small particles, which will maybe... Uh, you know, burn up in the the atmosphere, or at least cause much less havoc over a wide area than catastrophic impact in a small area. I know that's been talked about. I know it's been talked about to uh, do a series of micro explosions so that the object doesn't break up into pieces, but merely changes its trajectory. I don't know what other ideas have been proposed in this realm. Other so, than, to attach some sort of, of thrust mechanism to yeah. just push it into a different orbit. Yeah, and that's essentially what the these sort of micro-explosions would do as well. Um, it's been talked about, but in order to do that, we need to understand a few things about them, like what are they made of, if we can land on them reliably, if we can change their trajectories reliably, and that's some of the questions that China plans to, to 
hopefully address. God, this sickness is getting on my last nerve. <laughs> and then, what? Now, I, I'm curious about the space station they plan on building. Would that incorporate the U.S.? Uh, no, I believe that's just Chinese space station. Because we've been talking about disbanding the ISS for a long time, right? Yeah. So the funding is set to run out in 2024, but there's like a 98% chance that it'll get extended until 2028. And then from then on, there's a pretty good chance it'll probably get extended until 2032. And the ISS is really interesting because it's literally like a series of Legos. Mm -hmm. We've built it so that you can build some new module and just kind of connect it. And so the ISS started off as pretty small. Not pretty, I shouldn't say small because it started off with one module. Yeah, and, and we've continually sort of plugged in new modules and new modules, and now it's gigantic. It's huge, mm -hmm. and it's, it's the size a, of a football field. And it's incorporated length. many, many countries, right? Yeah, ESA, which is a lot of different countries: European Space Agency, Canada, JAXA, um, probably some more. Well, obviously Russia. Yep, and then going forward. China has their eyes set on the exact same thing we have our eyes set on in the future, and that's Mars. And they have rovers and orbiters and landers planned, I believe. Yeah, for 2020, they have a, an orbiter, lander, and rover. Um, ideally, 2020 is when it will be sent off. And so the ambition... That'll be interesting, because we have the Mars 2020 uh, mission planned as well. To launch from Mars in 2020. Yeah, it comes down to opportunity, right? You, you yeah. need to make you need to schedule launches so that they they occur at the perfect moment. Mm -hmm. So but it only it, takes six months instead of right, 18 or 20 months to get there. Yep. If you were to do it, that's something that's something that actually is misconstrued a lot, a lot of times. Why did we wait so long to send this spacecraft? Why why did we wait so long to send that one? Mm -hmm. And it, when you do planetary exploration. You need the stars to align, if you will. You need the planets to literally align yeah. in such a way that you can make the trip as as take as much take as little energy as possible. Uh -huh. And we've done missions before where we've had to wait a long time to do it. That's actually why we are very ambitious about getting things done on time. New Horizons was an example of that. Yeah, same with uh, Voyager missions too. That's why they pushed so hard to get them out when they did because like almost all the planets in the solar system were going to be lined up in a way that they could go. Or was it all the planets in the outer solar system, I think? I think it was the outer solar system. Yeah. Because they would have needed to do gravity assists. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, that's that's why they did them when they did. And they, they really pushed to get that done at that time. Yeah, that's one thing I'd really like to see come out of come out of uh the u.s is an ambition for the future a long-term ambition for the future i don't feel like it exists right now like, yeah i don't think i mean china has some really direct goals that are achievable you know and they're set in stone where the u.s just sort of we have a few years out and then it's all just kind of fuzzy and it's like oh maybe we'll do this if we can you know yeah, it's not. It's nothing that's as concrete, uh, which I think is a little bit of a disappointment. I wish. I wish we were more steadfast in our planning. Yeah, I would definitely like to see it. I I saw recently uh, in another form of sort of weird space news that there's a company in the Netherlands 
called Space Life Origin. Have you heard about this company? Mm-mm. They want to build a capsule that would send a pregnant woman to space to give birth with a trained medical team. And then the capsule would return to Earth after she has delivered the baby. Is she is she getting pregnant in space or is no, it just for she's delivery? Just, just delivery. So is it so is it just like a is it a long term stay or short like is she there for a month or is it just twelve hours? I think that I, I don't know to what amount they've released details on that. But the idea is that I think when she is is near her her point of giving birth, they would launch the spacecraft with because you're going to have a whole team of people, so you're probably not going to be doing it for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't think you want to expose twenty four to thirty six hour long mission. Yeah, th- see, that's that's so weird to me as someone who's not in the medical profession because you'd have to time it so that this woman was like literally ready to to pop the baby out. Yeah. You'd have so to you've like, got to okay. Your water broke. Launch. You know. So I'm guessing they'll be doing something similar to like Virgin Galactic, where they'll have some sort of rocket plane sort of thing that'll go up and just orbit for 24 to 36 hours and then land again. So basically, yeah, get this woman ready to pop and get this plane ready to go mm-hmm. and send them off with a whole team of medical professionals. That's gonna. Oh man, that's. There's going to be a lot of bodily fluids and things floating around. In oh, there. yeah. That's... They're literally going to be floating around. <laughs> oh, that's the oh, worst. Man. The logistics of that. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, the reason we're doing it is is a logistical reason. It's it's because in the future, if we do plan to do a lot of manned spaceflight, specifically long-term spaceflight, so years and years, we're going to have to eventually start giving birth in space. You know, And also, if we start to inhabit other worlds, whether it be the moon, whether it be Mars, wherever, eventually we're going to start giving birth in space, right? We can't just come back to the earth every time we want to, you know, have a baby. And so I don't know exactly what they want to study. I feel like it would be a bad idea to to expose a baby to the sort of radiation of the upper atmosphere, but I assume they're going to account for that. Yeah, for 24, 36 hours, I mean, that's not a long time. And they're still protected from most of the radiation. I mean, if they were doing it on the moon, that would be much more dangerous. Yeah. So I, I think it's very interesting, and I'd like to know, you know, how they're going to pick the woman. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to follow this story. I'd like to. Uh, when did, when did they say they wanted to do this by? This is a proposed. In I don't know if they've given a specific timeline. No, it's, it's, 2020 to 2024. Yeah, they gave the program a rather broad timeline. Yeah, huh. but it's soon, right? I mean, it's 2019 already, which boggles my mind. What do you What do you call the first baby who wasn't born on Earth and who wasn't? They're not a Martian. They're not a, a moonling. They're a a spaceling. A space. An at, a, well, you're kind of still going to be in the enough, atmosphere, yeah. right? Well, I think they're going to be high enough that they'll be in space. I think they said 250 miles. So that's like the orbit of the ISS. So Dude, technically that, they're still in space. If I, You just made me realize something that I didn't realize before. If you're a mother having a baby, definitely get in on this. Because your baby is going to forever be one of the most popular <laughs> people to ever live. I'm sure someone will pay for their college. You want to talk about privilege. That baby will be incredibly privileged. <laughs> whoever it is. Or it'll be like one of those dark sci-fi TV shows where the baby's targeted. 
Yeah, or got protected. Could go either way. Or the spacecraft just die, wrecks, and everyone dies. That would also be pretty bad. I'm not thinking about that. That's that's my question that I have for this. I want to know what they'll call that baby because they're not they're not an Earthling. I don't know a spaceling probably. Spaceling. That is really cool. What do, what, you do they, put, what do you put on their birth certificate? I was just thinking that. What do you put on the birth certificate? The coordinates over which she gave birth? You the were right ascension of the 20, declination? 24, 36 west, uh, 32, negative 1 south. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what you put. That's actually funny. Is the space So a spacecraft is like a, it's like a ship, right? So wherever it launched from, it's essentially that country's... You know, it's like a little flying embassy, right? Is that is that sort of how it works? Maybe. So if it launches from a, an American company in American soil, it'll still count as being born on American soil. So that baby will be able to run for president at some point. That's a good question. It's in the Netherlands, so you know. Oh, so okay, yeah, that makes sense. So it'd be a Netherlands, a Netherlandsian baby. baby, yeah. And I don't know how the Netherlanders feel about who runs for office. Yeah, but huh. it's very interesting, though. Yeah, it's very interesting. A fun story to watch. The, one of the one of the more interesting implications it has, at least in the way I look at it, is that it just shows this growing field of commercialized spaceflight mm-hmm. for all sorts of stupid reasons. You yeah, know? this is something that you wouldn't have even thought could be possible, you know, ten years ago. Yeah, and it also shows the ease. I don't want to say ease because I don't want to discredit what they're doing, but it, but I, I hope you don't take it too literally. The ease at which we can reliably put things in space now mm-hmm. and again i don't want to i don't want to say ease as in it's it's easy but but what i guess i want to say is there's a formula and there's a formula that's getting better every day and it's getting better to the point where companies with small startups can start to to follow the recipe and get things in space it's really cool it's really cool and i i hope that they find the funding if they don't have it and I hope that they continue to, to keep at it because this is actually cool. Yeah. Giving birth in space is really um, – oh, I, I did write down here, but I apparently missed it. The company has set 2024 as the target date for the trip. So if you're a mother – Five years. If you're a, a woman out there and you plan on giving birth, wait. Wait. <laughs> get, Time it. Get Time pregnant. It very well. <laughs> yeah, get pregnant in like August of 2023. Well, something. I wonder if they'll find the woman before she's pregnant. Oh, yeah, that's possible. You know, and then plan around that. Yeah, that's... I guess you would have to, right? Yeah. There's too many... This is a this is a weird project. <laughs> this is, I would I love really to. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my eye on this and see how they handle all the logistical issues associated with this. Because this really is kind of a weird, fuzzy type of thing. Yeah. Can you tell me something, Nate? Yeah. Since you're down there in Houston and you're very knowledgeable on the goings on at NASA, what is the ISS hole? Oh, okay. So, what was this? August or September? I somehow. Discovered... I'll say this real quick. I yeah. somehow didn't hear about this until this week. Oh, really? Didn't know so, it existed. So, yeah, in August or September, they discovered a tiny pinhole. Actually, it was so it's actually in the Soyuz capsule, which is docked to the ISS. So while it's docked, you know, it's it's essentially part of the ISS. Um, they discovered it while the astronauts were asleep, and the pressure in the International Space Station was dropping. So they woke the astronauts up. It wasn't it wasn't a huge emergency. They found the hole. They plugged it with sealant. Everything was good. Uh, maybe three, two or three weeks ago, they had 
two Russian spacewalkers go out and really just – you should look up the video for this Russian spacewalk, man, because they are just – they've got, like, garden shears and knives, and they're just cutting away at the thermal, like, protective cover of uh, part of the Soyuz to get down to this – to where the hole is. And so they scraped it to take some samples. Um, they brought it down when the Soyuz astronauts – when the astronauts landed in the Soyuz uh, in late December – and so I guess they finally did some testing on it. So a lot of people thought maybe it was a micrometeoroid that it hit, uh, but it really looked too clean. It looked like it was drilled with a drill from the inside. So this past week we got confirmation that it was definitely man-made. So now the question is, did some astronaut drill a hole in the ISS with the hopes of them evacuating the ISS so they could come home because they were homesick? Or more likely it probably happened um, in production while they were building the Soyuz capsule and somehow this hole formed and someone either neglected to mention it, which is very bad, or they plugged it up and after launching the sealant or whatever that they used to plug it up fell out, which is also pretty bad. Uh, so those are, those are the options we're looking at. Now, now, I'm curious because when you say man-made, here's what I read, and, and I'm, you obviously know more about this than me. I read that it was it was formed from within – but not necessarily that it was man-made. Well, I don't think is there's there a discrepancy else? there, or is it the same thing? I don't think there's anything else inside the space station that could form a hole like that okay. without someone noticing. So I think that would essentially mean the same thing, man-made. Yeah, because if it was a micrometeor, it would come from outside in. Now, isn't the I, when I picture the ISS, I picture there being cameras everywhere. There are a lot of cameras. There are areas though that aren't. Uh, recorded obviously you know bathroom and sleeping and i don't think they record at night once the astronauts go to bed i think they turn off the inside cameras okay so yeah that homesick if, if it was a homesick guy that'd be me yeah yep. <laughs> trying to get home yeah and this is also me. this is also in the soyuz capsule area so it wasn't technically the iss it was docked to the iss i see it's yeah so now we know that it came from within. Man, we got some space sabotage going on here. Yeah, what's going on? That's very interesting. And what are the Russians? I'm curious to know like what Russian media says about it. Because they're the people who sort of came to the conclusion that it was yeah. from within, well, it's, right? It's their spacecraft. I mean, it's in the Soyuz capsule that's built by Russians. It's the Russian spacecraft. Um, I don't really know what Russian media is saying. They're yeah. probably saying the same thing. Do the Ameri- most likely Now, the production. Americans have access to to this part of the spacecraft very readily right or to the iss man that's weird that would scare me if i was on board the iss with people uh, that would kind of scare me i'd be like all right we got a psycho here (laughs) we got some start cross-examining everybody we got i've been i'd be interrogating people have a tribunal be afraid to sleep So what happens if if a, if a hole opens up? Like, does that capsule get sectioned off somehow? Like in every sci-fi movie you ever see, there's like these doors. Yeah, that so they close. So the Soyuz capsule, they, they has a door obviously to itself. So if something drastic happened, they could shut that. I think different modules have different doors that can shut and seal um, in case of depressurization or a fire. Um, that way, they can starve out the fire. I'm not sure which ones or what sequence it happens in or how they activate those. I don't know if that's on board or Mission Control does that, though. I, I don't know. Hmm. 
Yeah, it, but it was the, it was leaking out very slowly. It's a very small hole, and so the pressure. They didn't even bother waking the astronauts up. They discovered it in the middle of the night. They knew it wasn't a big deal. They just waited until the morning, and then they found it. I'm curious. Someone's gonna come out and be like, "All right, I did it. Sorry." It's probably some Russian engineer who who messed up, and I dropped my drill. Now he's sitting there like yeah. waiting, like, "Oh God, <laughs> this shit's about to come down on me." Yeah, I <laughs> dropped I the drill. I was out? trying to build a thing, and I dropped yeah. the drill, and it went through the thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't want to tell you. I didn't want to be embarrassed. Please forgive me. Oh, also, so I did. Sorry. Oh, also, I did that in the the module next door. Uh, I didn't tell you guys about that yet. Yeah. <laughs> But NASA kind of had a big start of 2019, too. New Horizons. Yeah. Yeah. So they flew past Kuiper Belt Object, which is the most distant object that we've ever imaged, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Well, the most distant object we've ever imaged with in the, the solar the system. In the yeah. solar system, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because with the spacecraft, we count the Hubble. So... Close up, I guess. Fly yeah. by. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I think that all other people know what you mean, too. Yeah. But this, this object is called Ultima Thule. Thule? This is, this is a podcast episode where we can't pronounce anything. Hey, so do me a favor. Every <laughs> space agency across the world, do me a favor. Don't name shit that no one can pronounce. How's that sound? <laughs> oh, you want to appeal to more people? Here's a good idea. Don't name shit that doesn't pronounce easily by normal <laughs> individuals. You know, oh yeah, I really want uh more people to get involved in science. So let's name this Kuiper Belt objects, which which by the way, Kuiper Belt object even is a mouthful. Let's name it uh Ultima Thule. Yeah, let's make the the H silent for no reason. Whoever came up with that shit, get out of my face. But it's the most distant space rock we've ever visited, like Nate mentioned. Uh, I guess visited is is maybe the term to use. Even though we yeah. didn't visit it, we, we visited it. We flew it. by it. Yeah. It's the most distant object we've ever flown by. How how far away were we when we flew by? Like 20,000 wow. 20, miles like, or something? I think it was closer than that. It's, it was quite the distance, we I think. Let's see. Now you're going to make me read an article. I don't know. You keep talking about stuff and I'll try to find it. Okay, but it, it as Nate mentioned, it's located in the Kuiper Belt. And the Kuiper Belt is essentially a collection of large or small icy and rocky bodies that orbit out past Pluto. We don't know much about the objects that exist there. We know a few things. We know that comets tend to come from this region of the solar system. And they come blazing in to the inner solar system. They orbit the sun and then they disappear for thousands of years in some cases. In some cases tens, in some cases hundreds. But it is essentially the farthest out you can get in the solar system and still sort of encounter these large, icy, rocky bodies. If you go out any further, you you will likely only find pebbles or comets that are traversing the sun and, and aren't going to be sitting out there, but they're going to be coming back to us. And so, oh, what? I found an answer. Okay. If you wanna. So it was within 2,191.6 miles of its target. Okay, so I think the, I think that the initial pictures that were sent out, that's not all we're going to see, right? No, um, it's going to take 20 months for all the data to come back. Yeah, because it's so far away, it takes forever to, to transmit this data. Well, you know, and the, no, the actual reason is because the spacecraft has very little power. So the wattage that runs the spacecraft is about the same as the wattage that runs the light bulb in your refrigerator. 
So it took all these pictures and all this data, and it's trying to send it back using a refrigerator light bulb. Of course, yeah. and that's and it's billions, six billion miles away, six billion kilometers away. So, yeah, that's a lot of it's a yep. lot of work for that light bulb to do. <laughs> it is, and the images sent back so far are incredibly low resolution. And you know what? I saw people complaining about this on articles. They were like, "Oh, we wasted all that money to get this picture." Hey, whoever you are, fuck it's, off. Okay, it's six billion kilometers away. Hey, whoever you are, you. I hate you, okay? This this spacecraft was moving at 32,000 miles an hour. I want you to move at 32,000 miles an hour and try to take a picture of something as you go by it. Yeah, anything. Anything at all. Yeah, that's a good point. So screw you, whoever you are. You suck. Your <laughs> name's probably Barbara. Barbara. That's the worst name I've ever heard. It's like, let's, okay, I just because just that, that comment really makes me mad. This, okay, Ultima Thule is 22 miles long. They were 2,000 miles away from it, moving at 32,000 miles per hour. That's like taking a picture of an ant, like, across the street as you're zooming by. Yeah, at, like, 1,000. People are mad that it's not perfect quality. Screw them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Their name's probably Sandy. Sandy. (laughs) What a terrible name. What's another bad name? Uh, Deborah. Deborah might be the worst name I've ever heard. Or Lester. Lester. You'll Ooh. never meet anyone below the age of 35 named Lester, and that's a fact. And every Lester is an uncle. Yeah. That's it's actually true, cool. too. That's actually valid. Yeah. That's valid. But so we're going to get better pictures of this thing. And at first, we didn't know if it was two separate objects or if no. it was one object because it kind of looks like a bowling pin. It has like a big node, and then right next to it, it has a tiny node. And whether or not these two are connected, I don't even think we know right now. I, I think th- I think we know that they're connected. We've come to the conclusion that they're connected, but I think there might still be some t- a tiny bit of doubt. Uh, but either way, they were likely at one time orbiting each other and mm-hmm. that they have they have since coalesced. And this is actually important. It's actually really cool that we found this co- co- coalescing sort of in progress because this is very much in line with the theory, the theoretical reason we have planets is that tiny objects, like the two that were to make up Ultimate Thule, they would come together at relatively low speeds, and they would stick. They would cohere. That's likely how the Earth formed. That's likely how Venus formed, Mercury, Mars. And for us to be able to see this in action is really cool. New Horizons will go down as one of the most enlightening spacecraft to ever be sent anywhere. Yeah. I mean, just the first part of this mission. I mean, the pictures of Pluto that it sent back are just mind-blowing. Yeah, if you want to look at uh, pictures, look at pictures of Pluto from Yeah, like, just Google Pluto New Horizons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look at what we used to have, and then look at what we yeah, look at what, look at what Yeah, look at what Hubble found. It literally looks like you took a picture of Pluto and you censored it. It was <laughs> like, we, we can't see this. We need to cut its face out. You know, it's like it was on an episode of Cops and it didn't... Uh, it like, didn't allow its face to be shown. NSFW Pluto. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's really cool. It's really really cool. I'm really It's like it's like when you're young and you don't know that you need glasses yet <laughs> and you can't see anything and then the eye doctor gives you your first pair of glasses and like the whole world just snaps into focus. Oh yeah, and also you get headaches for 2 weeks. So that's funny. Oh yeah. And your depth perception's all screwed up. I remember man, my eye doctor, he's a wonderful guy and I loved him, but they were really cool because they had a couple of steps leading up to their to the office, mm-hmm. 
So as soon as you get those glasses and your depth perception is totally screwed up because your brain's rewiring eight years of correcting for your terrible vision. And then they make you go down steps. Yeah. I remember, like, I, I held my mom's arm and I like, kept putting my foot out like an idiot. Like, where is the step? Oh, yeah. And that's how Stevie Wonder lives his life. So <laughs> imagine true. that, you know? You think it's bad for five seconds while you're at the dentist. Imagine <laughs> living that way. Every time you go out to eat, you have to do that. You have to touch down. You have to put your... <laughs> and then you don't even know. You're like, is this a cliff I'm walking off of? <laughs> wow, if you're the wife, does Stevie Wonder have a wife? I don't know. Well, if he does, she could very easily commit insurance fraud by walking that man off of a cliff. <laughs> very easily. Yes, yeah, Stevie Wonder has a wife right now. They've only been married since 2017. Shout out to her. He was single for like almost 30 years. Wow. Now, listen, I'm not. He, one... he said three wives. All right, I'm not one to doubt people's motivations in in this world, but if you're me- if you're marrying 75 year old Stevie Wonder. Let's be real about what your motivations are here, okay? <laughs> Let's just be real about it. All right. Stevie Wonder, I'm sure he's a great guy. And he's good at the piano, maybe. Is that what he does? Yeah, he's quite good at the piano. So he plays the piano. Come on. And he sings. And he sings. He writes songs. I just doubt your motivation a little bit. A tiny <laughs> bit. Let's see. He's He was 67 and she was 42. Oh, but they had two kids together before that. Oh, wait, what? Yeah. He's had nine kids. Damn. Man, Stevie. Well, he's got 18 sets of eyeballs rolling around. (laughs) Well, nine sets. He's got 18 eyeballs, you know, to make up for his lack of two. And for that, I commend him. That's a good move. Do you know what pisses me off, Nate? I just thought about this. I heard this yesterday. People who say this, that, and the other. This, that, and the other. Do you I don't know, know what I'm... Hold on. No, no, no. I'll give you an example. Sense. They'll be like, so, you know, I was going to Starbucks the other day, and uh, this, that, and the other happened. You never heard that before? Yeah, I've heard that, but I don't know if I've ever heard that in real life and not just a movie or something. Oh, I hear it in real life. It's a Pennsylvania thing. And it pisses me off so bad. <laughs> What's the point in telling the story if you're going to say this, that, and the other? Those are all the details of the story that you omitted. <laughs> Don't tell me the story if you say this, that, and the other. This, that, and the other. Yeah, I was uh, walking in the store the other day, this, that, and the other, and then I got there. Okay. <laughs> okay. What's the what's the important part of the story then? Did you omit it because you said this, that, and the other? What the fuck is this? What the fuck is that? And what the fuck is the other? Because it pisses me off. Don't say it. Don't say it ever again. If I ever hear anyone say that ever again, I'm going to make you sit down, and I'm going to make you tell me what this was, what that was, and what the other was. Because there's no way that every story you've ever told only has three components. It doesn't happen. <laughs> and I heard that on the radio the other day while I was driving two hours to get hot dog buns. That's a story. I had the most depressing journey to get hot dog buns ever the other day. So I'll end the podcast on this. I needed hot dog. I went to work and I brought my lunch with me and I brought a hot dog for lunch. Now that already is sad. Okay. Bring a hot dog for lunch. But I had to because it was New Year's. It was post-New Year's Day. The day after New Year's. And you have hot dogs left over because you eat hot dogs on New Year's Day. Oh, like, you are one of those people. Come on. Get what do you real do? Real pork. It's pork and sauerkraut, but it's not use hot dogs. Come on. Well, we, I don't even think we got pork hot dogs. I think I got all beef. 
What? You need pork. And sauerkraut sucks anyway, so... That's 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 the traditional, like, PA Dutch thing. It's for good luck. You have to eat pork and sauerkraut on New Year's. Well, I'll throw No wonder up. you're sick. You're not having good luck because you didn't eat pork and sauerkraut. Well, sauerkraut's balls. Try again next year. Sauerkraut's amazing. No, it's not. Okay, you haven't had good sauerkraut. Seriously, just admit it. For real. I love sauerkraut. Admit you don't like it. I love it. Admit you pretend. I love... Admit you there pretend. Was... There was so much sauerkraut and just a little bit of pork, and I was so happy. Do they eat it in Texas? No. No? I don't think they eat it. I mean, people might eat it here, but no one does it for that reason. I don't think they eat it in It's actually quite hard to find sauerkraut on New Year's. I had to get some crappy canned sauerkraut. What about Rubens? Do they sell Rubens? They have sauerkraut on them. Yeah, but they don't... They just use, like, this crappy canned sauerkraut, like... Yeah. I call them get, like, these nice bags of, like, silver flowers. Out of the... Yeah, out, out of the barrel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they make it in the barrels and yeah. it tastes like Amish piss. Yeah, no, no. Actually, well, a lot of Amish piss apparently smells like maple syrup because a lot of them are inbreeding. They're in... what? Because they're, they're inbreeding. So they have all these genetic disorders and apparently a common one is that their urine smells like maple syrup. Hey, guess what? That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. I've always heard that. All right. How is that not true? All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. Next time you're in northern United States, we're going to go to the Amish country of central Pennsylvania. We're going to smell Amish pee. I'm not going to do that. We're going to line up 50 dudes and we're going to have them pee into various buckets and we're going to smell each of the buckets. And we'll come to a consensus real quick. I'm not going to do that. Okay, wait. Such as Mennonites in Pennsylvania or the Amish, the frequency is significantly higher at one out of 176 live births. Typically in the U.S., it's one out of 180,000. So it's 100,000 times more, uh, or it's 1,000 times more prevalent in the Amish. To inbreed? To, to have this disease. Wait, there's a disease where you smell like maple syrup? Yeah, it's called maple syrup urine disease. I don't think that's true. It's true. I'm reading about it You're right spreading now. fake news. It's on. a thing. <laughs> this is a thing. Maple syrup urine disease? Well, yeah. I want that. I, I don't think you do. Every I've heard it's because of inbreeding. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. This you, is telling me a bunch of things I don't understand because I don't know anything about biology. Yo, I'm pretty sure that every disease ever created was blamed on inbreeding when it started. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Every disease ever. That's interesting. What does this word mean? Consanguinity. Well, here's the first thing that you need to do. Pronounce it correctly. Okay. <laughs> and then the second thing you need to do. If this podcast has shown anything, is that I can't pronounce any word correctly. Con- Maple that, syrup. Right? Well, there you go, people. Disregard- the fact of being descended from the same ancestor. That sounds like inbreeding to me. That sounds like every human, though. Right. Well, we're all descended from Adam and Eve. What was that? What was that lady who's going to run for president now? Who was one uh, Elizabeth Warren? Yeah, she was descended from Raging Bull. Really? Was that the Indian guy? Yeah. Or is sitting that Bull? Sitting, no, sitting Bull. Bull. <laughs> Raging Bull is a movie I think with Robert De Niro about boxing in like oh. the seventies. <laughs> well, I'm sure Elizabeth Warren came from Sitting Bull. <laughs> Dude, every Indian name is just an adjective or like a what? What is it? What is that? Is that an adjective? No. That's a noun. No, it's a verb. A verb. A verb. A <laughs> verb. Dude, I forgot I forgot my literary terms as soon as I left elementary school. 
I don't. I couldn't even tell you what an adverb is reliably. I wouldn't have confidence in my answer. You know, I was. You know, now that we're talking about this, I was reading about what's called most recent common ancestor. I think have you heard of this? No. It's like. I don't know, a couple hundred thousand years ago during some ice age or something, like most of humanity died. And so everyone today is descended from like 10,000 people or something like that. Mm. Like a tiny group of people and we're all descended from them. And there were other people alive at the time, but they all died or didn't have children. I don't know. Kind of leads us to think like so many people are descended from Genghis Khan. Oh yeah. Genghis Khan's in all of us. Yeah. There's another one I read. I don't know if this one's true. It's about some guy who's on the Mayflower. Is it about inbreeding again? No, no. It's just okay. some dude who's on the Mayflower who fell off, and then they got him back somehow. And apparently he had, like, ten kids and, like, 78 grandkids. And, like, a large portion of the United States population can trace their ancestry back to him, including, like, a couple different presidents and, like, all these famous people and stuff. I don't know if that one's true. What's his name? I'll find it. I'll just look up Mayflower guy who fell off. Ron McFuckalot? Jesus Christ. John, John Howland. John. The boy who fell off the Mayflower. The boy? Yeah, he was young. He was like a kid and he fell off the Mayflower. Uh, I assume he had descendants. The, I assume he okay, had the notable ba- descendants. Look at this. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, George H.W. Bush, George Bush, two first ladies. Including Barbara Bush, hmm, and Edith Roosevelt. Okay, whoa, 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 little, whoa, whoa. It's a little strange. Who's Barbara Bush? First lady, married to George H. W. Bush. And George Bush is descended from <laughs> this guy. They were both descended from the same guy. Oh my God! I bet one of their. I guarantee you, one of their urine smells like maple syrup. Some congressmen, Jeb Bush, obviously Sarah Palin, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Let's see. Humphrey Bogart. Of course, Humphrey Bogart stems from someone. <laughs> well, you realize now that at least one of the Bush's urine smells like maple syrup. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that they have this disease. Right? I mean, maybe <laughs> this maybe this is, is the guy. Maybe this is ge- the, the genetic trace back of this disease. Also, I mentioned someone who owned a house at 33 Sandwich Street. That is an awesome name for a street. 33 Sandwich Street? What, why not all the other houses on Sandwich Street? Uh, no one in Portland owned them. I hope there's only one house on it. And he decided that it was 33. <laughs> Man. But anyway, back to my two-hour hot dog bun story. So I bring a hot dog to lunch, right? Because like any respectable person after New Year's Day, you bring a hot dog to lunch. You got to eat the damn hot dogs you made too many. Not anyone does, but okay. So... I get to work and lunchtime comes around and I realize I forgot a bun. Okay. Now, what does any person do when they forget a bun? Well, they don't eat the hot dog without a bun because that's disgusting. Just go to get a loaf of bread and just use a slice of bread as a bun. I'll throw up. You don't use bread as a hot dog bun. (laughs) Oh, you can. No, you don't. If you're in a... Whatever. You're already eating a hot dog. The standard has been lowered so much. Hold on. Do you put ketchup on your hot dog bread bun? Yeah. Oh my god. A little dab of mustard? Ketchup should doesn't belong on bread. It belongs on it belongs. What if you make an egg sandwich? You put ketchup on an egg sandwich. No, you don't! Yes, you do. You don't put ketchup on eggs, dude. Yes, you do. What are you talking about? Dude! 
I'm gonna freak okay. out. I want anyone who's listening. I want you to set up a poll about whether eggs should have ketchup on them. Is that something you can do? I'm gonna freak out literally. What? Everyone puts eggs or ketchup on eggs. No. Yes. You don't put e- ketchup no. on your eggs. No one does. What? That's disgusting. You probably put maple syrup on so your macaroni boring. and cheese. No, but sometimes I put ketchup on it. You put ketchup on your macaroni and cheese? It's so good. A little bit of ketchup and hot sauce on the mac and cheese. Oh my god! You should try it. You should try it. Some next time you make mac and cheese, take a little bowl, put a little bit of mac and cheese and some ketchup, mix it around and eat it, and tell me it's not delicious. I would rather eat my own puke. Well, if you're not even going to try it, then I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear your opinion anymore. I don't want there to be ketchup on anything I eat except for a hot dog on a hot dog bun. <laughs> a hot dog bun is bread. No, it's different. So anyway, I had to go to Wegmans to get a hot dog bun, but here's the problem, okay? I was in the wrong lane to get off the exit to go to the Wegmans, and I was kind of depressed, which means I had no energy to put into changing lanes. So you know what I did? Drove straight for about seven miles. (laughs) Didn't get over. Just drove straight, sad as could be. Then I get off the exit, and I take the long way to Wegmans, and I get to Wegmans, and I buy my hot dog bun. I have to buy a whole pack because they don't sell individual hot dog buns. So I have to buy a whole damn pack. And I'm going to throw away seven out of the eight of them. So, then I have the hot dog Just use them for other sandwiches. And have lunch meat in them. One hour has gone by. I finally got my hot dog ones. I'm going to go back to work. I'm going to put my hot dog on a goddamn bun. I'm going to eat it. So I pull up to work and I sit in the parking lot and I realize, wow, I don't want to do anything today. I don't feel good. Kind of sad. Kind of. uh, Depressed. Maybe I'll just go home. So I go home. With my pack of hot dog buns that took me two hours to get. And I already have hot dog buns at home. So now I have a pack of hot dog buns. Which took two hours of my life to get. Which I didn't even use. Which I only got out of a depressed stupor. So that's my life in 2019 so far. (laughs) That's been my only accomplishment. So with that being said. I wouldn't call that much of an accomplishment. With that being said, I guess we're done. <laughs> Thanks for listening, people. I love you all. Nate doesn't because he eats macaroni and cheese with ketchup. If you if you put ketchup on your eggs or your mac and cheese, I want you to write Brendan and tell him to try it and that he's wrong. <sighs> I'm going to get mad. Where do you put <laughs> mustard on? Um, I don't like mustard a whole lot, but I'll put it on ketchup or on um, – on a hot dog. I like mustard and soft pretzels. That's probably my favorite thing to put mustard on. I'm going to flip my fucking lid. <laughs> what do you put mayonnaise on? Mayonnaise. Huh? What I, do you put mayonnaise I, on? I, okay, I don't eat mayonnaise unless it's like mixed in with something. I really don't like mayo. Hold on. Is, is Do you say mayonnaise? Or I say mayonnaise. I say mayonnaise too. Yeah, I guess it is mayonnaise. But I try to make myself say mayonnaise. I say mayonnaise and then I say mayo, which makes no sense. This mayonnaise. You should call it Man- mano from now on. Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. It's like Wednesday, right? Should Wednesday. Be Wednesday. Yeah. Just like I don't. I never know how I'm supposed to pronounce pecan or pecan. Pecan. Every about- time I say it, I say it wrong down here because this is like a big thing in Texas. Is pecans or pecans or okay? I don't know. Pronounce- I, don't, I didn't even know which way they say it, but I always say it wrong. Pronounce the word. Pronounce the word. The the team mascot for the Jacksonville NFL team. Pronounce that. Jaguar. Yeah. Do you say Jaguar? 
Jaguar. Yeah. Yeah, I, you say Jaguar because that's what I say. Is it a Jaguar? But one time someone Jag- someone Jag- got Jag- someone got like actually mad at me because I said it that way. It's apparently supposed to be Jaguar. 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 I don't like that. Like you're French or some shit. The French Jaguar. suck. Jaguar. What do the French do good? Make crepes? Is that it? <laughs> Can you think of one other thing the French have ever done for this world? They built the Statue of Liberty. Not an achievement. Um, I think champagne is made in France. Also not an achievement. Cheese. You ever try French cheese? I don't know, actually. Tastes disgusting. <laughs> Dude, I hear Americans all the time. They're like, well, we don't have real cheese here in America. We have fake processed cheese. Okay, dumb dumb. Then go to the Czech Republic and eat a goddamn cheese plate and tell me how good it tastes. Because it literally tastes like piss. Tastes like Amish guy piss. I was in. Isn't, the- isn't American cheese not. Isn't it just defined as cheese product? Yeah, and I don't give a shit because it tastes good. I don't know. It's all slimy and gross. Oh, you're talking about those individually wrapped pieces? Yeah, like Kraft. No, get those out of here. American cheese. I'm talking about like a good American cheese you get at the deli. Oh, so not American cheese, but cheese made in America. No, because you can get good American cheese at the deli, like an actual block of cheese. Okay, next time I go to the grocery store, I'll get some American cheese. I'll let you know. It's white, you know? And if that's not racism, I don't know what is. Because <laughs> honestly, they can make it any color they wanted to, and they chose to make it white and yellow. And name it American. Yeah. And that's yeah, just that's... disgusting. <laughs> Racist pigs. All right. We're done. Thanks for tuning in, people. <laughs>